Good to see you this morning. Would you join me in welcoming Johnny and Sylvia Gonzalez as they have joined our church family and our staff? So, so grateful to have the Gonzalez family with us. Uh, Johnny is our new uh, next-gen pastor, overseeing all things with student ministry and uh, working alongside our wonderful children's minister, Jana, and the children's ministry team and building some alignment there. And then uh, plan to hear from Johnny uh, as he brings a message and as part of the rotation of some teaching here on Sunday mornings alongside Stuart and myself. Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. If you have a Bible, take it. Join me. Third gospel of the New Testament, third book there, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 6. We're going to begin in a moment reading in verses 27 and following. We began a series last week on love. It's February. It's that month. And so, but we're not talking about this intimate love, this dating, this marital type of love. We're talking about the love that God has called all believers to have for all people. And so last week we looked at how the greatest commandment to love God and to love others impacts, as we concluded, how we love our neighbors. And neighbors aren't just people that live next door to us, on the same block as us. They are folks that God puts in our lives and we come across in the paths that we tread with people each and every day. And so it's important to remember, though, that when it comes to love, it isn't always equal to, love isn't always equal to kind of having those um, butterflies in your stomach type thing. It's not the equivalency of love in order to, to feel that. I think we have to be cautious not to focus too heavily, not to put, to put too much emphasis on the way romance makes us feel emotionally and physically because we, we run the danger if we do that by forgetting that love is not exclusive to people that we know on an intimate level. And so here in Luke chapter six, we find that love is an action. Love is a choice. It's a decision. It's something you must decide to do, which is why I think it's love is not always how we feel in the way that we extend love to others. And so if last week was not difficult enough in loving our neighbors, Jesus steps it up a notch in telling us we should love our enemies. Let's read the word of God together. Would you stand in honor of reading that word? Luke chapter six, beginning in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? 
for even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. You may be seated. Let me encourage you to keep your Bibles open there to Luke 6. Find your listening notes inside your worship guide and let's learn together about this ability and this need to love our enemies. Jesus begins his discourse. He begins this seminar, this teaching moment on how our love relates to our enemies. And typically, when we have an enemy, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but I don't think so in a crowd this large. Typically, when, when we come across an, an enemy, we steer clear of them. Right, you're in Walmart, you see that person, they don't see you, so you go down the other aisle so that you don't have to have that uncomfortable interaction or so maybe you don't say something that's gonna make it worse or you're gonna regret later. And so you steer clear of those people. Or maybe, maybe you wanna take it to another level and when, when you see an enemy, it, it's time to pay the piper, right? You want them to repay or you want to repay them, this individual, for the crimes against humanity, for the crimes they have committed against you or against your family, and it is time that they see how I can repay all of what they have done to me. But you know, rude co-workers, being betrayed by your own family members or maybe harmed by a stranger you've never met, those are not people, my friends, that you can exempt from Christ's command to love your enemies. It says here in our text that we are to love our enemy, but then he says, and do good to people who hate you. It's like Jesus just continues to kind of poke at us. Bless the people who curse you, really. Oh. And pray for those who use you and or abuse you. And so when we understand that God himself is kind, as it tells us in verse 35, to ungrateful and evil people, I think our perspective on people then begins to change. Our perspective on the ability to love others drastically changes if God himself is kind to those who hurt him. If God is kind to evil and ungrateful people. Do you remember what Martin Luther King Jr. said? Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love is the only force capable of taking that person on your hit list who is listed as an enemy in your heart and in your mind or maybe on your fridge and to move them into a different category, into someone that I can love despite what they have done for me. 
or to me. And loving our enemies requires this radical love. So let's answer the question, what is radical love? Here's the first fill in the blanks in your notes. Radical love is resisting retribution. Radical love is resisting retribution. Verse 27, I say to you who here love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone hits you on the cheek, well, just give them the other one to hit. Whoever takes away your coat, give them your shirt as well. And give to everyone who asks of you and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Now, Jesus is not saying that when someone hurts you, that you simply do nothing in response. That's not what he's saying. I think sometimes we could read that text and say, well, Jesus just says, I need to let it go. I, you know, water on a duck's back kind of thing. No, rather he's saying that your actions in return to that person who has done harm to you should be done in love. There is this idea that Jesus knows that you are going to respond. And so how you respond matters. I like how the NIV commentary says it for us here. The love Jesus commands us is not an abstract love tucked away in the person's inner recess, but a love that demonstrates itself in concrete action. And so loving your enemies requires action while resisting retribution, while getting back at them. Our love should be visible on display for those who hate us, those who curse us, those who mistreat us, those who steal from us, those who don't like us. Stephen J. Cole wrote on this text that we read this morning a, a Bible lesson that was actually called Radical Love, and he says that Jesus assumes that his followers will have enemies. I think that's an accurate assumption. You and I, both, all of us, have enemies. And so Jesus assumes that, and so he has just stated that his disciples are blessed. Think about that. You're blessed when people hate you, ostracize you, heap insults or talk bad about you, and spurn their names as evil for his sake. So Jesus begins with this broad statement, love your enemies. And this word love is the love that we see in a lot of different areas. There are four different meanings of the word love in the Bible. And this one is that word that maybe you've heard of before called agape love. That it is this ability to love someone. It's the highest committed level of good in loving others. And not just in intimacy. Such love, agape love, is not primarily a feeling, but an action, and an action stemming from attitude. So Jesus knows, makes the assumption you're gonna have enemies. Jesus knows you are going to respond. The human nature 
to get even. But in this sense, he says that your actions are directly tied to your attitude. And so the attitude of love, this agape love, thinks about the other person. The attitude of love thinks about your enemies as a fellow sinner who needs the forgiveness of their sins that Jesus can offer. And so when you begin to see your enemies as fellow sinners, it changes your actions to them. It changes your attitude towards them, resulting in a change of your actions towards them. And so when I begin to see people and I think about those who have hurt me in some form or fashion, as another fellow sinner on this planet, they deserve the same forgiveness of Jesus that he offered me for my sins. We were once just as selfish, just as blinded by our own sin, just as alienated from God as those who have harmed you. But thankfully, God did something in verse 36. He was merciful. Thank God for God's mercy. Because this attitude of love, this attitude of mercy frees us then, it breaks the chains and the shackles off in order to act in ways in our response, because God knows we're going to respond, that we act in ways that show God's love and God's grace to wrongdoers. So loving your enemies begins, church, with your attitude towards people. And that attitude is then reflected in your actions in your response. And so I think our perspective regarding those who have harmed us is critically important in our response and in our ability to really love our enemies because it sounds difficult, doesn't it? Stephen Cole reminds people that those who might be considered enemies are sinners. And radically loving other sinners, our enemies, is important because by doing so, we display the love of the Father to a watching world. God loved us while we were still sinners, living as enemies of God. And Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For if while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son Jesus, how much more then, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? God's kindness and love for others and for us while we were his enemies are the reasons that we have salvation in Christ Jesus in the first place. And so now we are to represent Christ. We are love dispensers of Jesus to our enemies, to those who say things about us. And so we love our enemies and we show them God's unmerited grace and kindness, not our human retribution. 
Radical love resists retribution. But here's the second thought. Now that we know what radical love is, radical love, secondly, is the rule and the reward. It's a both and here for us in Scripture when we think about radically loving our enemies. It's the rule, it's the standard, it's the expectation, but it is also the reward. Verse 31 Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Verse 31 is this culmination of the teaching, of the seminar lesson, the discourse of Jesus. It's known as the golden rule. And again, the NIV commentary says that the essence of love is a sensitivity to the needs of others, deferring to how they prefer to be treated. And such love takes great sensitivity in a spirit that desires to hear what others have to say. And I think that's the difficult part when we love our enemies in the moment, we really don't care what they have to say. And it's that sensitivity in the spirit to allow his radical love to fill me and not seek retribution because the rule, the standard, is to treat others the same way I want them to treat me. That when I become their enemy and when I say something I shouldn't or I do something to them that I shouldn't, I'm now on their enemy list. I sure hope they treat me with the same love and kindness that I treated them when they said things about me. Radically loving our enemies, though, listen, hear me very clearly. Radically loving our enemies does not mean that you simply remove all boundaries in that relationship. It it doesn't mean that you, you remove all things from those who have harmed you or you do away with and you eliminate personal wisdom and being smart being cautious of those future engagements with those people. That's not what we're being taught here. Loving our enemies does not mean allowing people to take advantage of us. We can love and respect others as God's creation, as someone else he has breathed life into, just like he has breathed into me, and treat them how they would like to be treated even when and if they treat me poorly. Are you with me? Be careful. You don't just eliminate all things. You're smart about it, but you understand the rule and how you love them and how you treat them. Think about what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. This radical love of God that the Christian community is called to embrace, called to embody, is an active love that does not ignore evil, but does what? Overcomes evil with good. Romans chapter 12, verse nine and verse 21. Let love be genuine and without hypocrisy. Detest what is evil, cling to what is good. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, Martin Luther King, 
Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So when we abide by the rule, when we live up to the standard, in verse 31, we receive his reward. Verse 35, love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Jesus says you do not radically love someone who simply has done good to you or lend to someone or assist someone because you know they'll be appreciative or they'll say something nice about you on social media or they will return what they borrowed with interest. He says radical love does good no matter what. Radical love gives no matter what. It expects nothing in return. And so Jesus is saying your your love action is visible to this world and your reason for your actions, your reason for your response is a reflection of the attitude and the character of God. And so as children of God then, we reveal God by our motives. We reveal God to people that don't know God by how we love them despite what they might have done to us. Albeit that relationship's changed now. I'm guarded, I'm cautious, but I can love you and treat you the way I would want to be treated if I had done something wrong and still be, still have some boundaries in place. Psalm 112, verses four and five. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Good will come to the one who lends graciously. Good will come to the one who loves those who don't always love them back. And so when Jesus extended this command that we learned last week to love our neighbors as ourselves, and now he extends it to include even our enemies, Jesus is not naive about the reality of evil. He's not naive about the reality of suffering. He himself will suffer greatly at the hands of evil people. He will suffer and endure at people who hated him. And he warns his followers, Jesus was very careful to say that they are probably going to treat you the same way they've treated me. But Jesus points to something greater than that something worthwhile, something made equally real and tangible. And he points to the resurrection. And so a love that is more powerful than the grave is a love for your enemies. An active love that overcomes evil and does good is radical love for your enemies. A love that resists retribution is a love that should be the rule, the expectation, the standard for a Christ follower, and that standard, when followed, yields eternal rewards. Let me pray for you this morning.
Father, it is a privilege each week to open your word and to learn and to study together. And Father, we are transitioning from loving our neighbors to loving our enemies, and it's a little more difficult this week. Because those who harm us and those who speak against us, Lord, we want payment for their sins. But it is not ours to seek. Rather, Lord, you have called us to a higher standard and the rule to love others and to treat them as we would want to be treated, to pray for those who persecute us. God, to not seek retribution or to seek interest when we have given something to someone, Lord, we, we just thank you for giving to us and loving us. But Father, we admit sometimes that's easier said than done. And so Lord, would you forgive us when we don't love our enemies like we should? When we keep track of their sins against us and we long for the day of repayment. I pray, Father, today we could come and lay it all at your feet at the cross and that I'm not jury and judge. My job is to love others and to love them well and to love them like you. So God, would you give us that attitude so that in our actions, in our responses, people see you. As you pray where you're at, in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And we would encourage you today, if you have a decision to make, that you would just exit right out the back doors to an area called Next Steps where some wonderful counselors are ready to receive you. But maybe you would rather speak with some of our staff. There'll be a couple of them available for you this morning to come and pray with and be encouraged and other counselors ready to receive you also. Maybe you want to receive and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and receive his grace in your life and the ability to love his enemies because he loves you. We encourage you today to step out of the spirit so prompts you to do so. Maybe you want to follow through in believer's baptism and be obedient in that. You've made that decision to follow Christ. It's time to take the next step on your journey of faith. Maybe God's calling you to join this church family Link arms with, uh, with us as we love our enemies and love our neighbors and all those around us. Or maybe God's even calling you to a, a special mission and ministry that he's set aside for you and it's time to say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. I'll go there. Whatever decision you might have, again, in the next steps area, just in the foyer, people ready to receive you, but staff available also. If you're watching online today, you can communicate with us through an email at nextsteps@huntersglen.org, and you too can take your next step, receive Christ, say, I want to be baptized, join this church, or say, I'm answering the call to ministry and missions. But maybe today it's just a prompting of the Spirit to pray and seek the face of the Father and ask forgiveness, and this place, this altar is open to you today. Our staff is available just